Thanks for listening to English Go podcast. To listen without advertisements or to read episode transcripts, visit englishgo.co.uk for more information. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Studying English is stupid. As you probably know, um, I follow some people who study English on Twitter. And the questions that they ask always amaze me. So, for example, uh, recently someone said because they're a beginner, they can't understand the nuance, they can't understand the difference between need to and have to. So, he has to go to work, he needs to go to work. Um, this person posted two example sentences that they were trying to understand. They were from some kind of English learning application and I looked at them and I thought I I've no idea what what are the nuances between what are the differences between those two um, example sentences for me as a native English speaker they just both mean must so I might say ah it's getting a bit late I need to go to work or ah it's getting a bit late, I have to go to work. Now, I'm sure that there is some official reason why these two are different. There will be some rule, some English rule, why these two are different. But my point is, I don't know what that rule is, and I'm fluent in speaking English. I believe I'm fluent in speaking English. I, I speak English every day, um, and I'm pretty sure if I start asking other people, what's the difference between these two? Um, can you explain the, the nuances between these two example sentences? Unless someone's studied English at university, I doubt they can tell me. Unless somebody's an English teacher 
I don't think they will be able to tell me. And this is why studying English is stupid. Or at least the whole sort of traditional way of studying English is stupid. There's so many applications, there's so many textbooks, there's so many videos, and they all examine English language in far too much detail. I think I mentioned this before, I talked about this in a past podcast, um, but I once got, once had the opportunity to look at a textbook that a friend was using to study English, and wow, the questions in there, I, I had a hard time answering, like picking the right uh, the right word to use, and, and the words that they gave you were all like, it looked like all of them could fit, all of them could be a good answer, and it's like, oh, there's, this, there's this very specific rule um, that you have to follow that, I don't know, it's just nonsense, it, it's rubbish. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all true these rules really do exist, but why why are you learning them? Why do you have to learn them? Who decided that as an English learner, the most important thing for you to spend your time on is to try and understand nuances, try and understand really small details that not even native speakers can understand easily? unless native speakers have also studied English. Why are you learning English? Are you learning it to use English? To speak to people? To understand things in English? Or are you learning it just so you can pass a test? And this is where the problem is. All of these resources you can buy, all of these traditional textbooks and these traditional videos and applications and so on and so on, workbooks, they're all designed so you can pass a test. So you can get a certificate saying, yes, I understand English at this level. And this is why it's entirely possible and happens often that people complete their test, they pass their test, they're at a high level, and they pass their test, and the test says, well done, you can use English at this level, and then they try to speak English, and they find it really hard to do, or they try to listen to native people speaking English, and it's really hard to understand what they're saying, because they haven't been learning English with the purpose of using it. They've been learning it with the purpose of passing a test. Now, maybe passing a test is very important for you because you have to do it for your job. You have to do it because you're studying English in, I don't know, college, university, school, or something like that. But if you think about it, is it really, is it actually important to you I mean, what, what do you want the most? Do you want a bit of paper that says, oh, I can use English at this level? Or do you want the ability to use English? Actually use English? 
Now, I believe that for most people, actually being able to use English is much more important than a piece of paper. So why are all the traditional methods of learning English all focused on passing a test? And the reason is simple. If you don't have a test that tests rules, that tests your understanding of grammar, that tests your understanding of vocab, how do you know that someone can speak English well? How do you rate it? How do you score it? I think that's something that would be very hard to do, but maybe not impossible. But anyway, the whole reason that English is taught like this is so that it makes it easier for someone to give you a mark, to try and understand how good you are at using English. If tomorrow the world woke up and said, we don't care about English exams. We don't care about pieces of paper. We just want to focus on helping people use English, helping people become really good at, at actually using English, speaking with native people and um, consuming reading and listening uh, to native media. Then I think people would throw away, I don't know, maybe 90% of all textbooks They'd probably keep the beginner level textbooks, the ones that give you a basic introduction. But all of these textbooks and things that go into so much detail about little nuances, about little differences, I think they just throw them out of the window and say, look, there's other things you can spend your time on that are going to give you much more benefit because you don't have to pass this test anymore. We don't have to test your knowledge on, on this thing that we've asked you to learn about just so that we can more easily give you a mark. And don't forget, there's a lot of money tied up in this. Teaching English is a big business. Big companies are making lots of money doing this. If they say, ah, well, to be honest, using our textbook to understand tiny little details about English isn't the best way to use your time when you're studying English, they stop earning loads of money, don't they? It's a pretty sad thing. It always makes me unhappy um, when I learn about how difficult it is to study English um, the traditional way, using textbooks and books and so on. Because I'm thinking, look, I can't answer your, these questions in your book, and I'm a fluent speaker of English already. You're learning something else. You're not learning English anymore. You're studying English. I mean, maybe it's... Maybe after you've learnt how to speak English, maybe after you've, um, you know, you're really comfortable using English, if that kind of stuff interests you, if you find it really interesting, then sure, go ahead and study English. But why are you studying English before you can even speak it? How weird is that? I've mentioned this before, I think, um, but I have no desire whatsoever 
to take a test to say that I can use Japanese at this level just so I can give it to someone and they can believe um, that I've passed an exam that means something. <laughs> maybe I can speak it well, maybe I can't. Um, I've got no interest in doing that whatsoever and I feel very sorry um, if you have to do that. It may be the case that in the future I'm going to have to do that too. And then I'll also have to learn all of these tiny little details about Japanese that I don't really need uh, to speak the language, um, but I do need just to pass a test. Anyway, the whole point of today's episode is just to point out that there are two types of studying English. You've got your traditional go to the store, go to a shop, go to the internet, buy all of your books, buy hundreds of textbooks, learn tiny little details about English, spend a lot of time worrying about all of these small details, <laughs> and uh, then take a test and get a piece of paper. And then you've got the other form of learning English, the form that I actually like, that I don't think is stupid, that I think is very good, where you're learning because you enjoy using the language. You know, you're reading books, you're watching films, um, you, you're learning vocab because you want to know what it means, because it's useful to you. And in this type of learning, when you come across a difference, like, I need to go to work and I have to go to work, you just think, they sound similar. They both mean must do something. And that's it. You forget about it. You stop worrying about the differences. You understand the meaning of the sentence. That's good enough. You can use have to and need to in your own sentences. And just like me, you won't really understand the nuances, the small differences between the two of them without studying some kind of learning English book. But who cares? You'll be using the language. You'll be enjoying it. You'll be using it just like I use it, just like all the other English speakers use it. And yes, you may have not passed somebody else's test, but you've probably passed your own test. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening until the very end of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give my podcast a rating, or if you have the time, write a review. It's a really nice way of letting me know you enjoy these episodes and encourages me to make more of them for you. Thanks very much and have a lovely day.